Welcome to Tonight We Talk. Tonight We Talk. Welcome to Tonight We Talk, the season finale. The season one finale. The season one finale. Welcome to the Tonight We Talk season finale. Hello and welcome to Tonight We Talk, the season one finale. I know, pretty cool, right? We've been through ten episodes of the official podcast and a little bit of a sprinkle of miscellaneous content along the way. But we've done it. We've made it through one whole season of this podcast. And to anybody who's been listening from the beginning or halfway and is stuck with us, stuck with us through this adventure, I want to say thank you. I'm going to find a way to repay you in whatever means I can. But I appreciate the fact that anybody listens to the show, enjoys it, and takes something away meaningful in their lives. I've had multiple people, some of which I can now call friends, some of which uh, I'm not as close with, but all the same, they tell me that they really love this show and what it stands for. If this means anything to anybody, then I can't really regret, I can only be proud of what I've made here. But that aside, in the end of the episode, we'll mention what's happening with season two, some changes happening to the show. But for right now, for tonight, I have a genuine episode planned for you. It started with this guest, and it's going to end with this guest. My good friend, Jameson Steele, and I, we talked. But about what, you may ask? Well, let me go on a little bit of a tangent. Do you have any moment in your life which you can distinguishly remember? It was so impactful, it was so meaningful, maybe, or maybe it was hurtful. Whatever the case... It stuck to your soul. It left a mark whether or not it was a scar or if it was some sort of personal growth. Growth doesn't sound the best when I say scar. Hmm, maybe I'll have to reword that. But you understand what I mean, don't you? These things that happen in our lives which we carry with us, whether or not it's baggage or it's something that we've grown into being, something good. Jameson and I tonight discussed many, many stories about monumental points in our lives. Me, a lot of embarrassing moments, but also a little bit of my childhood. And Jameson also on his childhood, also on, as you know, if you remember from before, Jameson is very much into theater. So some of his theater experiences and, you know, how theater became a huge part of his life, these huge moments that really turned us into who we are today. So, in a moment, you'll be sitting in on Jameson and I having this conversation, which I'm talking about. I very much hope you enjoy the season one finale of Tonight We Talk. So, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and let the people know where they can find you and why should they care, because they might not recognize you. It's been a little while. It has been a little while. Uh, I am... Jameson Steele. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at so many bats. Uh, Instagram also at so many bats. Casting call club so many bats. Mm-hmm. And you should care because what else are you gonna do? <laughs> Not like, care. Seriously, what else are you gonna do with your day? Do you have anything better to do? Maybe oh. actually, but mm-hmm. you know, I don't. So give it a shot. You're playing the mind games here. You're like, do you do you 
do you really, really have something do you better really do? have something better to do looking them deep in the eye almost sensually but not quite it's just like can you, you understand it? can you feel my gaze audience i'm staring can... <laughs> directly into my microphone i i can't even see your eyes and i'm feeling it it's I... a little uncomfortable uh i might need to change my shirt <laughs> for all to see oh so do i <laughs> <laughs> so okay joking aside this is actually a very very special episode of the podcast and do you remember why that is do I remember why that is? Yes, you're one of my bestest friendos. You should. Well, of course, of course, I remember mm-hmm. why that is. Mm-hmm. But I think the host, with the most, should tell us all. It's back and forth. It's like, why don't you tell us why this episode is special? <laughs> no, 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 no I insist. No, you, you go, go first. first. You go first. Okay, so <laughs> to spark off the episode, this is the season finale of Tonight We Talk, season one. Kind of a pilot season. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been thinking a lot about it, and there's definitely so many improvements that I'm ready to make and steps I want to move towards to make this show something even better than what it already is. And, uh, you know, it, it started off... pretty good. Yeah, I gotta say, it's pretty fantastic. And I <laughs> totally bragging. No, uh, I'm far more humble than that. But we started Maybe off with you... you. Maybe, yeah, maybe I am. You, on the other hand, are like a goddamn fine piece of man meat, my friend. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Getting a little hefty there. I mean, how often do you get to use the phrase man meat? Uh, more often than you'd think. Uh-oh. Different lives, I suppose. <laughs> but what better way to have the season finale be than to have my very first guest come back on as my season's final guest? Be me. Mm-hmm. And I approached you and I was like, God, this podcast is killing me. I hate doing it so much. Like, oh, the audience is horrible. I'm horrible. The guests are the best part. They're beautiful. No, I'm kidding, guys. Don't don't be offended too much. There's, you're all the best part of this show. Oh, thank you. Oh, wait, you're talking about the audience. Uh, <laughs> humble, remember? Yeah. <laughs> but I was spitballing ideas to you and you were like, Psh. Not that one. That one's for peasants. That one, that's that's for peasant peasants. Double peasants. Uh, uh, Double yes, I know. Eventually, I came on to proposing that we talk about kind of these, these monumental events in our lives. These, uh, I guess you could call them defining moments. And that idea really uh, hit a spark with you. You really were like, that's... That's the idea. That's the season finale idea right there. My exact words were, ooh, I like it. Look, I might be paraphrasing. Just just a pinch. Wow. Wow. Ooh, I like it. Look, ooh, put that into I Japanese. Like it. It's still, ooh, I like it, but it's Japanese. Well That's said. how languages work, right? <laughs> so besides uh. this amazing conversation being a monumental point in my life, your life, the audience's life. I feel, I definitely know that me personally. I have a lot of defining moments and having known you for so long, I feel like I've experienced some of yours. You probably have. You definitely have. (laughs) You're like, probably. Well, hmm." Well, you definitely have. I'm just saying you probably, I I would think you remember them as well. 
Mm -hmm. Like some of mine headbutting women in the vagina for money. Uh, Not that like she paid you or someone else mm -hmm. paid you to do it. That's not what we mean by for money. (laughs) No, not for money. Um, Well, for money. In pursuit (laughs) of money. In the pursuit of money on the ground that didn't belong to anybody, respectively. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. I wasn't even on the cringe episode, and here we are. Yay. And, you know, I have other other defining moments of my life, like asking uh, a cashier for her phone number, her telling me she has a boyfriend, and me running my hand through my hair and being like, ooh, awkward, vocally saying, ooh, awkward, (laughs) turning around and walking away. Uh, That's a good one. That's a really good one. Uh, Yeah, I lived it. Uh. I think think my favorite one, uh, my my favorite defining (laughs) Grayson moment was when me, you, and Jake were at the store uh, in the mall, mm-hmm. and uh, I was wearing a, a a shirt that was a joke of uh, oh, great. Pink Floyd's The Wall album uh, cover. Yeah. It, it had Sigmund Freud on it, and it said Pink Freud. Uh-huh. And uh, and the woman walking working the counter walks out to me, and she's like, hey, did you get that shirt at X place? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I totally did, because I worked there. She's like, wait, oh you're Jameson. God. I'm like, wait, you're Ashley, because we'd met before, because uh-huh. the manager and her were best friends. So we talked, and Grayson starts sweating more and more as we continue talking. Oh, God. <laughs> uh. and, I, and when we leave the store, Grayson looks at me, and he's like, can I, can I borrow your shirt for a second? <laughs> <laughs> uh, i mean just for a little while like a minute that's all i need to go back like, hey i've got this shirt too. yeah i worked at such and such a place <laughs> look what the audience isn't understanding here is this girl who approached you was just oh so <laughs> so attractive i don't mean that in a weird i'm appreciating uh i can't take myself out of this can i no you cannot um some some people, some <laughs> men and women even, uh, would say she's aesthetically pleased. No. Uh, if she were a tree, she'd be a really nice tree. Let's put it like that. And uh, I just needed a reason to talk to her. I figured I could go back in the store, be like, hey, I actually might want to buy this. Undo my jacket to reveal a t-shirt, and for her to be like, "Oh, you have that shirt too? Why didn't you say something?" Then you I would wearing a jacket. You were wearing an Avengers t-shirt, very visibly. Let me have this. Just one thing. <laughs> oh my god, I'm in uh, actual tears right now. Yeah, I uh. I feel some of that, but it's it's more. I think Grayson's in tears too for a different reason. Yeah, half denial, oh, half missed God. opportunity, and <laughs> this isn't a proper fraction, but another half, and that's just shame. Oh, I'm gonna choke. That's uh, amazing. Uh, I'm sure there's a dirty joke in there about choking, and I don't want to make it though. Yeah, let's just leave that alone. <laughs> but anyway, enough uh, about the roast of Grayson Earl James. Why don't we? Get... <laughs> Yeah, you didn't let's, need to uh, laugh so much at that. About other you didn't need let's to laugh about... so loud at that. 
<laughs> it was funny. All right, let's talk about uh-huh. actual defining moments in our lives, and I would like to start that off personally. <gasps> Please do, my lovely Switching guest. up the format a little bit. Whoa, she's taking charge. Oh, my. Grayson, I gotta ask you. Oh, okay, now I'm the guest. Go on, Mr. Host. Do you know, like, what the muffin is man? your very earliest memory? I have been asked this question before, and it alternates sometimes. Sometimes I get a moment where I remember something farther back. Sometimes I'm confused at which memory came first. But I have my earliest, clearest memory in mind. Mm-hmm. So... I've mentioned in passing a couple personal moments in my life on this podcast. I've mentioned being bullied for a long time, and I've mentioned that my parents are divorced. At least I believe I've mentioned that second example. I believe you have. And this is such a clear memory because it was also one of my best. Uh, I was just turned six years old. It was literally my birthday. And... I remember when I was that young, my parents would tell me, like, oh, it's your birthday coming up, what do you want? And there was one time that they told me that it was my birthday coming up, and I didn't know what my birthday was. I was like, well, what's my birthday, right? And what do we do for it? (laughs) Well, on my sixth birthday, my parents were still together. Um, I know for a fact that they were separated by the time... Well, before I turned seven. So this was kind of in that stage of ignorance where you're too young to really understand what's going on or that your parents even had issues, even though I have memories of them fighting. And they got me a Yu-Gi-Oh! game for the PlayStation 2. And they called me into the dining room and they said, hey, like, it's time to open your presents. And the present wasn't wrapped. It was just in, like, a shopping bag. And they told me to open it up, and it was Yu-Gi-Oh! Duelist of the Rose for PlayStation 2. And I loved the game so much. I played it all the time. I played it for hours. Uh, I didn't have a lot of friends when I was younger, so and I didn't go outside. I was a very husky kid, so physical activity just wasn't my thing. And I put all my time into video games, and this Yu-Gi-Oh! game, I just loved it so much. And kind of an anecdote that recently I've kind of gotten back into Yu-Gi-Oh! And there's no doubt in my mind it's because through Yu-Gi-Oh! cards I kind of re-experienced my childhood a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, every time I think back to being so young, being, you know, so ignorant that there was nothing to weigh me down, I always had my family to support me, so I was always happy. It makes me miss being so young. And uh, it I'm not sure if it's really a depressing thing to think uh, about my life right now compared to then, or if it's more of a happy thing, caught between whether or not I wish I was younger or if I'm happy with what I've grown into. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, I'm not sure how personal you want to get on the show, because I know you have multiple kind of monumental things about your life. 
Um, you have stories about your biological father, your grandfather. Um, feel free to share those if you'd like or to express a different story. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to go with, just follow up with my earliest memory. All right. Um, as far as, okay, I'm, I'm going to do the same thing as you. It's just one of my earliest like very very clear memories Mm -hmm. was this was back when i lived in brampton also Um, very long time ago very long time ago when i was in kindergarten um Mm -hmm. i i remember quite a few things about brampton actually um Mm -hmm. i remember my friends from there i remember i lived next door uh to this girl brooklyn mm-hmm. and we were we were really good friends and like brooklyn was definitely like my best friend at the time and mm-hmm. once i moved we completely lost contact until years later okay. and even now like i still have her on facebook and such but we haven't mm-hmm. really talked which I don't exactly think is a bad thing. Like, we're just past those points in our lives, right? It's just... You outgrew each other. Yeah, exactly. But it definitely would Mm -hmm. be interesting and very, very nice to catch up with her again, which I'm sure will happen someday because Mm -hmm. our families are still very close. That's Um, interesting that you guys kind of grew apart even though your families are close. Well, they did too. Like, when, when we moved we kind of all lost contact but it's easier for oh, okay. adults to stay in contact than it is for two kids right mm-hmm. kids kind of depend um, on the adults to do it for yeah, them exactly um so brooklyn was my main like my best friend at the time and mm-hmm. uh, she was like right to the right of my house i believe i believe it was to the right and mm-hmm. right across the road like just across the road into the left Mm-hmm. was this brother and sister uh, Ethan and Ainsley and okay. they were they were also some of my best friends and those mm-hmm. those three people were really like some of my only friends at the time or at least the only ones that I can remember because I know I had other friends I know I had birthday parties and like it wasn't just three people that came all right but those are the only ones that I can really remember. And, mm-hmm. oh my god, I'm just remembering this right now. Okay, this is, <laughs> this is going even farther back, this one memory. This was when I was junior kindergarten. Wow, really far back. This is really far back. I don't know how old that would be. Uh-huh. But junior kindergarten... Um. Junior. Yeah, I. There was. You know, in in kindergarten, it's like mainly just playing, right? And yeah, it's a lot of kids goofing around and. Basically, yeah. yeah. But there was also always this time for like, okay, now it's time for you to shut up, sit down, and learn, right? And More or less, yeah. Essentially. Um, but we always had like this free time where we could do like whatever we wanted with all the stuff, like play with Legos mm-hmm. or Play-Doh or whatever. 
and then directly after that was like story time or like math alphabet time whatever where we all had to sit down with the teacher and learn something right okay and i remember it's so vague but it's so clear at the same time um Mm -hmm. where during this free time i was always on the computer now this is very (laughs) very much a tell of what my life would become like later on it became Um, prophecy if you will yeah essentially yeah um i was always on the computer and there was this one game i do Mm -hmm. not remember what you did i i don't remember what the game it was one of those like learning games about like colors or something i do not know come on colors and blocks you got this some yeah i I can figure those out um but it, it had a parrot i remember there was a parrot and i loved this game i was so engrossed in this game and like I would, I would have my headphones on listening to this like tropical music or whatever that's playing in the game uh-huh. and when it was time for us to, to stop our free time the teacher would always just like call out and say hey free time's over come over here and sit down mm-hmm. right and every single time no matter whether i actually did hear her or not mm-hmm. every single time i would just stay at the computer and pretend i didn't hear her and just so I could have like an extra thirty seconds with this parrot game, and I would be guilty if I said that I'd never experienced that before. Yeah, and like I, I bet like all the kids thought I was weird for doing that. Like I don't know because it happened every <laughs> single time. Like the teacher would, like everyone would already be sitting down. I'd still be sitting at the computer with the headphones on. The teacher would go, Jameson, come on, and I go, I'd take all the headphones, and go, oh sorry, I didn't hear you. Whoops, but I would, uh, but I would bad. do that every single day. <laughs> so it, it was obvious that I was just making it up. It's like, but, whoops, I uh, didn't hear you, teacher. Yeah, it, exactly. That's exactly what it was. And, and I did that every single day. So can I throw you a little bit of a, a curveball, if you will? Uh, uh, sure. A touch of a, a twisted question. Not, not in a mentally weird way, but you'll <laughs> see what I mean. You have these these monumental points in your life, these stories. I have these stories. I myself can remember a time I was in our virtual public schools library, or primary school, sorry, not public. Lots of schools are public. And I was reading because classes were sent down to the library however many times a week for a specific amount of time, whatever was organized. Mm-hmm. And I was reading a book called Captain Underpants, and I wound up reading this Captain Underpants book into, like, multiple classes after our respective class, the class I was supposed to be in, had left. So I, I probably missed, like, an English. I probably missed a math. Yeah, I remember those books. Mm-hmm. I think I, I still have some, honestly. <laughs> I know, I think it's DreamWorks is making a movie based off of Captain Underpants. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I know, which... You know, I, I, I read those books a lot when I was a kid. Like, mm-hmm. like they were kind of old-ish when I started reading them. But, like, I was just starting to read them mm-hmm. at the time when 
the guy was like making another one and i was another, so like excited and i remember i got it on release day and i was so excited <laughs> and it was so weird and it was mm-hmm. it was great well, I, I i really loved that kind of thing like i loved those books when i was mm-hmm. younger and scholastic always provided like these book orders mm-hmm. that we could do uh, i'm not yeah. sure if scholastic is still a company that like exists anymore oh they definitely are you think so or you know so i'm i'm, I'm certain I don't know for 100% fact, but I'm certain. So it was essentially like this catalog that you could go into, like a very limited version of an eBay page, where we could just pick out books and things that we wanted and order them. I remember looking forward to those every month. Yeah, so did I. But uh, uh, I would always get mm-hmm. the uh, the Andy Griffith books. I've never heard I of it. Andy Griffith... Oh man, he he had a show back in like sixties or something. I I don't know how that long is ago an old it was. man. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long ago it was, but he had this. Mm-hmm. He had these these books where there were just these like books for like pranksters and tricky kids, full of like stories <laughs> and comics and stuff like that. And they were so they were so entertaining. And then like after that, he mm-hmm. also made a cartoon called what's with andy wow i think i watched that show mm-hmm. that was that was that guy what's and with andy how did the theme song go i could not tell you you're useless to me keep going with your story guest <laughs> <laughs> god okay um but yeah I, I remember i would always get those books and i was so excited for them and I feel like I still have one, but I don't think I do. I, I really hope I do, but I don't think I do. No, I distinctly remember getting rid of all my uh, my introduction to reading books. I had really loved Pokemon books. I liked Captain Underpants. And I never got into this book series. I think it was called Clue. 41 Clues or 42 Clues, something like that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Introductory to reading, essentially. Very... Uh, like YA, but YYA, like young, young adults, tweens, if you will. You know, this whole tangent did have a question that I was going to ask you. And we just got so off onto reminiscing about the past. Yeah. And my question was going to be, why do you think we have all these, these monumental points in our lives? Why do you think they stick? Why do these specific moments stick with us? Yeah, you talked That's, about... Uh... Brooke, right? Her yeah. name was Brooke. You have Brooke. And you have, well, we both have these stories that we loved and these memories. And the more we delve into them, the more we uncover. Yeah, I think I personally remember that stuff just because mm-hmm. it was, it's just a defining factor of what my life was at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the one consistent to like a certain feeling or theme that my life was at that point like mm-hmm. back when i was living in brampton when i was that young that's all my life was it was like just going to school but hanging out with my friends okay but and and i only had those like those two two or three like really really close friends back then brooke ethan and ainsley mm-hmm. and they were definitely like a defining 
factor or like the, the main theme of my childhood at that time like they were what mattered to me i guess before i even you know could think mm-hmm. about that that sort of thing you know what i mean like when you're a kid you don't really think about like why am i happy or like why mm-hmm. does this matter to me right you're in the you're moment just, yeah you're too young to think about stuff like that and those those friends at that time mm-hmm. were what i cared about and they and, were what you cared about most maybe mm-hmm. it, it was just the simplicity of it right it was like i have my friends mm-hmm. and i like my friends right yeah it's really that simple sometimes i i battle between wishing i could go back and it's, yeah i I've thought about that mm-hmm. too, but at the same time, we don't really need to, because if you think about it, life right now can still just be like, I have my friends, I like my friends, right? I disagree. And It's, it's definitely more difficult, but it, it is like still a defining theme, right? Like no, just, I find just... that the difference is me, and the difference is you. Mm. That we've changed so much from those points that they can never be the same as what they once used to be. I agree with that, but I still think to an extent, like, you can base your current situation, your current happiness on... Mm. I'm, not, I'm not saying banking it on other people. That's... That's not exactly what I'm mm-hmm. trying to get across. What I mean is you can just sort of define whether or not you are happy just by just that simplistic idea of am I happy, right? We've already mm-hmm. talked about this w- with me and you in the in the happiness and setting goals episode uh-huh. where uh, where I talked about like I would be perfectly content if I could just do the things that I enjoy with the people that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And that's that's sort of that's sort of the big tie in, right? Well maybe maybe we're just two different people. Uh recently well, we know we know that. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely two different people, but we also share a lot of common interests. I guess what I should have said is that in this aspect, this ideology the we may have two differing opinions, two differing perspectives. Mm-hmm. That you know me personally, I'm constantly looking at, like I'm always evaluating my situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very difficult for me to sit down and be like, you know, let out a deep breath and say I am I'm okay right now. Yeah, it's it's you, never that you simple. T- you tend to be a bit more of, of a pessimist, which isn't exa- which mm-hmm. isn't a bad thing. You know, it's just a fact. Right. Mm-hmm. I would even say that I'm complex in that way. Like I'm looking for these things to evaluate in my mind. That so mysterious person. Uh, it's funny because I don't keep anything to myself. It's just <laughs> the things that are secret is because nobody's asked about them. It's edgy. Uh, so edgy. <laughs> I'm sure there's a couple things you and Jake don't know about me, but I'm sure there are. Like, once in a while, I still find myself learning new things about you or Jake. Mm-hmm. And for the listener, they should realize that uh, 
Jameson, you, I, and Jake are all very close, good friends. Of course. I think we've established this before, but who knows? Maybe there's new people. Maybe they're missing something. I just, I'm there for you, audience. The I, best is, we're the best spreadies. And Three out of five pieces of Exodia. I'm happy with that. I don't need two more pieces. We, we are the three pieces of, of Exodia in a world where Exodia is overpowered and still played and only has three pieces. I mean, if certain... <laughs> I'm about to let you get me into a tangent about Yu-Gi-Oh! and the ban list. Let's We're not just... gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. My nostalgia. Defining moments <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! ban lists. Totally. That's on my list. Yeah. I the day, so. The day Pot of Greed was taken away from me was the day I broke inside. But how do you evaluate your life and which moments are valuable and which ones are almost forgotten? You know, I literally just Mm -hmm. finished saying how much I evaluate life and how I'm always ready for worst case scenarios but hoping for the best. How do you you live? You say you feel like it's possible to be in this situation where things are simple. Yeah, I'm not saying that I... I am personally in that situation. I am definitely mm-hmm. not. I'm just saying it's possible for somebody to be. Yes. So what is your situation, though? Um, right now? I feel like it changes so gradually. This is mm-hmm. something that really gets down to our cores. So, yeah, what's I most say, relevant? Yeah, what is my defining moment for my current situation? Let's go with that. Maybe, yeah. Just go on and uh, yeah. I'll say okay. whether or not that's what I meant. I'll, I'll, I'll just say something and you say something afterwards. <laughs> Conversation, right there. All right. So, I'm going to say my with my current situation, there was a moment that really brought me to where I am now mm-hmm. and where I stand. And I think there are a few that really, like, shaped the different parts of me Mm -hmm. like this may be unrelated maybe related i'm not sure but one interesting thing that i that i kind of want to say anyway is um what shaped what started to shape like my taste in like culture and music and stuff like that movies all right was in grade nine i do not even remember what happened Mm -hmm. but like i was like i think i was watching some like old music video or something on on much music or something with my mom and and it showed panic at the disco and and the music video for Mm -hmm. i write sins not tragedies and i was like hey that's a pretty okay song (laughs) that's a dang beat yo yeah and i had heard like I, I, I mm-hmm. had heard other people say Panic at the Disco and like mentioning them in the same vein with like uh-huh. my chemical romance and, and stuff like that. And I was like, oh man, that's that's too like emo for me. I don't want to listen to that. <laughs> but then I I had my emo phase. So phase. <laughs> I, I haven't gotten out of it. I'm still in my emo phase. Uh uh-huh. totally joking. Oh my god. Um you know, I, I had that, that emo phase that we all kind of go through, and I started, like, trying mm-hmm. to, like, ironically listen to Panic! at the Disco and 
all-time low in my chemical romance and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And and after that phase ended, once I snapped out of it and realized I was being an idiot, <laughs> Panic at the Disco stuck with me. I, okay. I legitimately liked it, and I started to listen to it more and more. And then I started to listen to more bands like that. And that really started to shape my taste in this like alternative genre of music and then bringing me into more of like an alternative like sort of lifestyle where i'm getting tattoos and piercings and collecting vinyl right Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's not a joke listeners i do collect vinyl now (laughs) (laughs) but that's like one of the defining moments of like Mm -hmm my my culture and i think that started to bring me into like starting to look at other ways of of life and like art especially in culture Mm -hmm. and one huge huge moment for me was like i i'd always liked drama in like grade eight yes and then going into high school i took it then as well but I was mainly just doing it because I liked it and it was a fun class, right? Mm-hmm. But then I started, like, I, I was looking into doing community theater and someone convinced me to join a community theater group with them uh, in, right. a town, in a town not too far away from us. And I was like, you know what? Whatever. It's something to do. So I did. Yeah. I went out and I auditioned and I got the title character on my very first audition. And I was like, what? Why? Why is this happening? <laughs> Why this am is I the probably very best? a mistake. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was so scared. I was petrified, but I did it and I loved it. The adrenaline. It was the rush. Re- seriously. Like, performing on stage no Mm -hmm. joke is an adrenaline rush a drug like you've never experienced this is not an exaggeration that's really what it feels like and wow yeah yeah wow (laughs) And, (laughs) and after after having that that feeling that huge burst of adrenaline when someone cheers for something that you did Mm -hmm. it's i started chasing that feeling by doing lots and lots of heroin and (laughs) and following (laughs) every road of every hollywood actor that has ever been yep yep you were like i um, mean if robert downey jr did it when he was young i was i was 14 and i was doing our drugs grr no, no, I, I, by, by like, I started chasing that. I mean, I started auditioning for more shows with the same company and then with mm-hmm. other companies, and, and I did backstage with, uh, with other companies, and I just got super, super involved into the whole mm-hmm. theater scene, and it was just so amazing. Like, I've done, over the course of about four years, I think I've done maybe 13 shows, and mm-hmm. something like that, probably mm-hmm. less. But something like that. Um, but oh man, I completely You're losing lost your train what I was of thought. No, hold on, just give me a second. I completely lost what I was about to say. Right, got it. All right, go on. So this this drug, this adrenaline rush, 
was just so intense that I remember mm. like that that feeling of satisfaction is just so good that I remember um doing a show not that long ago really uh Monty Python's spam a lot oh, okay. which was a fantastic show like it, I mean it is a fantastic show like the movie is very very good and I got to play the role of Sir Robin oh, okay um, pretty which cool. if you if you know that show, it Sir Robin is a complete coward, <laughs> and he, his full title is like there's uh, just for context. Mm. There is Sir Lancelot the Brave, and Sir Robin, who is essentially his sidekick. Uh-huh. Uh, Sir Robin, the not quite as brave as Sir Lancelot, <laughs> is his full title. Okay. And instead instead of a sword, I had a chicken at my belt. That was uh, awesome. Appropriate. Mm-hmm. And anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I was also co-directing this show. Oh, whoa! So that was that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And but the thing with this show was the whole process of it was hell. It was okay. horrible. The like the the higher ups the the. The, the team that was working on it, like the director, mm-hmm. the uh, the sound director, or the music director. Yeah. They they were just so rude and just so mean to everybody. And it wasn't like it had been before. Like, the music director had always been kind of harsh. Uh-huh. But you could deal with it. Mm-hmm. But in, in Spamalot, it was so much worse. And there were multiple times where I had considered dropping out and stopping doing the show, but I didn't. Do you think they were so harsh because they wanted people to be good? Do you think that whoever was cast, they felt like the cast wasn't up to their own standards? What was that superiority Um, complex there for? No, it definitely wasn't the cast because the cast was fantastic. And I know Mm -hmm. that because I I was I was the cast. I was amazing. Well, I was part of the casting crew. Okay. So I helped with that whole process. There were bad auditions, but the people who got in were very, very good. Mm-hmm. And, but that that's all beside the point. What what I'm trying to get at is this whole, this, this process, this three-month process was so bad, yet that payoff when we finally did the show was so amazing mm-hmm. that I would do it all again. I, I really, really would. I would really hope like, that you wouldn't go on to say, after all that hard work and all that effort, it fell through, the show failed, we hardly sold tickets, no, it was all just, a waste of time. No, no, just what I'm trying to uh-huh. get at is that this just, this adrenaline rush when you're on stage is so good that it that one night of this mm-hmm. amazing feeling is worth three months of hell. That it's... is like a dangerous love to have. An mm-hmm. abusive it relationship is, with but theater. That is that is the life of an actor. It's the actor's but life. I, I remember you. Yeah. I remember uh one of the guys, Chris, mm-hmm. um, he had never performed on stage ever. Okay. Um this was his very first show. He was like 40-something, beside the point. His very first show. 
and mm-hmm. he was so nervous. He had massive stage fright before going on. We all convinced him it'd be okay. He goes on, does well. Okay. After the show, when we all come off after the show, he comes up to me. He goes, Jameson, is this what it's like every night? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sometimes, usually, it's even better. And he looks mm-hmm. at me and he's like, holy shit! <laughs> and he had the biggest smile on his face. Oh my like god. He had, fa- he had found what he liked to do, you know? Kind of like discovering a dream. Mm-hmm. And it was it was fantastic to just see this, this newfound passion in this man. And mm-hmm. that... And none of that would have happened if I hadn't just decided... You know, I'm going to take grade Theater. 9 drama because it's a fun class, mm. right? All when you were in grade 9. How old is that? Like 14? Something like that. That was a long time ago. I remember when I was just discovering kind of myself, even though I'm still struggling to find out, like, who the heck I am and what what am I doing with my life and such. And I distinctly remember, and this is another one of those monumental moments, I was friends with a guy named Connor. I'm not going to... Yeah, English, whoops. Name drop, like the last name. But it began with uh, an S. That's that's more yeah. than enough information the audience needs. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. And he was... I don't know how to describe it exactly. He was definitely a good friend for a long time. He was a huge influence on who I became. Because before I started hanging out with this this friend, Connor, I was very much still that overweight, lazy kid who always played video games and didn't go outside. And, you know, in moderation, though, it's okay to be overweight to an extent. It's okay to play video games in moderation. And not everybody has to like going outside. But I was definitely to dangerous extremes in all of those fields. And I became friends with this guy, and this guy is super about biking everywhere, all around town, fitness. And to this day, he still does those things, even though I'm not the closest friend with him. After we hit high school, uh, he and I grew apart quite a fair bit. You, Jameson, were even pretty good friends with him as well, mm-hmm. until about uh, high school. In, in second grade, we were we were very close. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, yeah, in high school, we kind of grew apart a little bit, but we would still talk every so often. Yeah, I once still in consider, a while. I still consider, like, we are, you know, friends, but you know what I mean. Uh, when I have relationships like that these days, I say good acquaintance. Yeah, exactly. Like, if I saw him, I wouldn't ignore him. Mm-hmm. But pretty much this guy, almost as embarrassing as it is, he almost became a role model to me. Which is really almost uncomfortable to say about somebody your own age. Somebody who you, like, admire, because most of the time you're told to admire somebody that's far more accomplished and older and and whatnot. But because he was my my own age, I could really relate, I suppose. I felt like I was so much closer to being all these great things I saw in this person because, you know, whatever great qualities he had, we were the same age. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean, because I mm-hmm. kind of felt the same. Like, Connor was cool. Like, oh, for sure. Like, he was, like, the most popular of the popular kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my god, how how am I, like, friends with this guy, right? 
And mm-hmm. I would argue that next to next to him, the next popular guy at our primary school would have been another fellow by the name of Aaron. I was about to say mm-hmm. Aaron, yeah. And Aaron was also like really friendly, really great. But mm-hmm. uh, like I was saying, I hit it off with, with Connor and you know, Connor loved photography and he loved to bike. Uh, specifically like trail biking and and through forests and such. Hmm. So that became almost my lifestyle as well. Wherever I had free time, I would stop by Connors and be like, hey, you want to go for a bike ride? And one Christmas, I distinctly remember asking for a camera because Connor had inspired me to take on photography. And in a lot of ways, this is a good thing to meet people that inspire you to try new things. Mm Mm-hmm. And I feel like I very much grew up into my own person. But for a long time, he was, like I said, a, a role model-ish figure, somebody that I aspired to be like, even without, at the time, knowing it. Because at the time, it was more like, oh, he's my friend, and why wouldn't we do these things that we may have similar interests in? Like, I didn't mind riding a bike, so I picked up the hobby. And photography, I was like, oh, well, he's really into it. He says it's great. Why don't I give it a try? Yeah. So very much he took me, and I became this kid who was very, very sheltered and became so much more independent because I was always out of the house biking with him. And after the friendship dwindled out uh, to a, a good acquaintanceship, I very much became more of my own person, and I still liked photography, and I had all this knowledge about photography. And I loved biking after that, and it was definitely uh, my new means of transportation. I bike to work every day uh, these days. But from that point on, he kind of helped me lay down the groundwork of becoming me. He was also really into computers, and I took inspiration from that and decided, hey, I want to be a smart guy that knows about computers. And so I learned about computers, and I... I learned more about comic books later on when I started becoming more about myself. And I developed a taste for the news, and I got really into filmography, and then I fell out of liking filmography and got really involved in things that involve my voice. And I very much branched off from admiring him to becoming my very own Grayson Earl James. Mm-hmm. I, I have something similar um, with mm-hmm. Connor, actually. Um, he, he sort of inspired me in a similar way um to get into like movies and, and videos and stuff like that because uh-huh. i had always sort of liked just filming what i was doing when i was younger like i had this camcorder that I used like tapes uh-huh. and um I, I remember i was the original let's player like i would i would put this camcorder over, like on my shoulder and uh-huh. Hit, hit record and then play a video game with my own commentary <laughs> i would play like sly cooper 2 and mm-hmm. like destroy all humans and stuff like that and of course your voice is all high pitch and people are like oh why are kids uploading videos to the internet but you're like i just well, like I playing mean, sly cooper i mean it was a camcorder grace and they used tapes i just watched oh, it for boy. my own enjoyment that is like I, I just watched tech. it for myself and um uh-huh. i remember in whatever grade drama class i think it was grade six or grade seven maybe grade seven Mm -hmm. um yeah i think it was grade seven um drama class our project was 
make a movie. That was it. The project was just make a movie. Make a movie. So myself, Connor, and if you remember from uh, from our elementary school, the two Joshes. Mm-hmm. I remember. Mm-hmm. So myself, Connor, and them, we formed a group. And okay. the theme was mystery. So we made this like... Oh, I, I don't even remember how to describe it. I, I remember exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. But it, it was just this sort of generic cut and paste like episode of Criminal Minds, essentially, <laughs> where someone gets kidnapped and stuck in a basement. That's about it. And mm-hmm. we we made this and it was it was bad, obviously. But it was so much fun. That sounds and I just, really familiar, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like you may have watched it. Was because... there a time that we were in a group together with a guy named Hunter, his last name began with an R, and we mm. went into somebody's basement and recorded uh, a video movie kind of thing like that for school? I remember that. I remember mm-hmm. that. That was the, uh, the, the dangers of, like, downloading things i don't remember oh, i don't remember the subject i just remember no, no i remember that <laughs> we we had this like uh-huh. you know those like gun apps on the ipod oh uh, yeah whatever? it was on your ipod and we played like russian roulette with, with this the app? gun app yeah. as a meta as a metaphor for viruses <laughs> it was fun it was really fun <laughs> I just remember me being oh, the mafia God. guy because I was kind of husky. So you I, I remember uh-huh. I remember you had to play the the Russian roulette and we had to make you look really really sweaty so we splashed water on your face a lot. I had to be uh, stressed out. Yeah, exactly. It's like oh, I remember. Oh, oh, I'm going to die. Ex- that's exactly what it was. That is 100% what happened. So so we did that, but but anyway, uh uh-huh. um, we made these like th- these recordings of this of this little like mystery movie that we made yeah. and we just kept them for ourselves and oh my god do i wish i still had mine i i don't um because i i remember i the one of the joshes didn't have it anymore like he lost his copy uh-huh. so i sold mine to him for 10 bucks wow that's quite and the sale I mean, it was pretty good for me at the time, but now mm. I regret it so much because now I don't have that anymore. I don't have that 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 memory beauty, you know. Whenever I go back and look through various ornaments or Mother's Day gifts that you know public school made me, or at least gave me the opportunity to make, I find myself remembering, oh, I made this thing. These little mm-hmm. kind of ruins of what used to be. Yeah. Like, like, I I got rid of so many things when I was younger that I completely regret now. Because, like, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've only recently come to the realization that I didn't keep enough things. I didn't take enough pictures. Mm-hmm. I really, really needed to do that. So I'm only, I'm, excuse me, I'm only now starting to take more pictures of the things that I do and just go out and do more things and keep my stuff. 
and like because, live a little. Yeah, because I, I just remember all of the things that I didn't keep, and I regret it so much. I have things like that. Uh, all the way back to Yu-Gi-Oh! I had a Yu-Gi-Oh! dual disc, and recently I've been like, wow, I wish I still had one of those. Went to go buy one, and they're like $200 for one in box. Yeah, I had... Like, they're not cheap at all. I had Luigi's Mansion, uh, Mario Sunshine, mm-hmm. Zelda Wind Waker, Mario Kart Double Dash, and I got rid of them all at, like, EB Games for, like, $2 each, and now they're all worth, like, 50 bucks mm-hmm. each. Like the total rip-off return deals that they used to do? Yeah, I wish I wasn't worth, so. Now all of those uh, games are worth the price of a of a current full priced game, which is ridiculous. And I hate how like scammed I got returning video games as a kid. So do I. Because you didn't I, I have remember, a way of making money, right? So it was yeah, the best idea. The the catalyst for me when I realized that I, I will never trade in games anymore was when mm-hmm. I went to trade in Red Dead Redemption. Mm-hmm. And they said they would only give me seven dollars. Wow! So I just kept it and played it a lot more, <laughs> and I don't regret that at all because Red Dead Redemption is a fantastic video game. The day I remember I would stop trading in video games was I brought in a whole bunch of PS3 games and a whole bunch of Nintendo Wii games because I was the Wii was pretty much a system that was never getting used in my house anymore. Mm. So I went in to trade in like over 20 video games mm-hmm. and i don't even think they were offering me 20 no they may have offered me 20 dollars, maybe some something in the teens maybe just not worth it yeah and it was ridiculous because you know these new video games come out and you want them you want the new pokemon you want red dead redemption 7 <laughs> well two and it's coming out in fall, and I need it. Let me, let me have this. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was an exaggeration. Yeah. But it's ridiculous. It's it's such a scam. And this is, for a long time, they got away with it because the internet wasn't as popular, but as online marketplaces grew in popularity, such as Steam, they had to start fighting to make sales instead of people coming to them. Mm-hmm. So you get these games online that go on sale for like $2 when it was originally a $60 game. Yeah. And they have to compete with that now, and they can't afford to scam people. You have these deals that are like trade in two, two games that came out within the last year maybe and get a new game instead, which is a yeah. far better deal than what we used to get. But at the same time, like that deal is like, a trade-in two games that are worth like $15 each mm-hmm. by our standards. And by our standards, $15 is a game that you bought yesterday that came out a week ago. Yes, you're not wrong. But it's sadly a better deal than what it used to be. It is, but it's still absolutely redonkulous. And I think that kind of ties back because that's sort of the uh, one of the monumental moments that causes us to... Mm-hmm. stop trading into EB Games or GameStop or whatever you have in mm-hmm. your area. Because they're all the same. They're, they're all the same. They're all out to <laughs> break the world. Some men want to watch the world burn. But 
these days I only go to GameStop or EB Games to buy their accessories more than anything. Mm. They sell awesome wallets and backpacks and collectible yeah, toys. I, I still like having my physical copies of games. I can admire that, and honestly, they're worth more than the digital copies. Mm-hmm. Because it's just like, it's funny. It's a colored case and a colored CD. Yeah, people. That's why I collect vinyl. But it's. You know? No, I think... <laughs> Go on. Go on. <laughs> no, you go ahead. I insist, good sir. Uh, well, I want to know what you were going to say because I was going to start to wrap up the show. I was also about to wrap up the show, and that's why I wanted to know what you were going to say. Well, there we go. So you do it first. I was going to say that, you know, we've made a good amount of time here, I guess, just talking about all these nostalgic times in our lives, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, I actually want to thank you for because there's things I completely forgot about that you reminded me of. (laughs) But that said, you know, the show... The show is coming to a close, my good friend. I must work tonight. Thank you for having me. My, I really enjoyed it. I thank you for being here for like one third of all the episodes. Something <laughs> like that. You know, oh number God. one guest. Co-host. And there you have it. That was Jameson and I kind of taking a stroll down memory lane touching on some stories you may have heard before, maybe giving you a little bit more information on them, also giving you some new stories, figuring out what our pasts really are. And of course, there's so much more, probably too much to ever cover entirely. But that doesn't mean you can't get an idea of what kind of people we are through the words we use, what we say, how we say it, and our experiences that we've been through. So... As a season finale, I can very much say that this episode made me very happy. I found myself remembering little stories that I thought I'd forgotten a long time ago. So thank you for sticking with me. And thank you, Jameson, for being on the very last episode of Tonight We Talk Season 1. And now on to the part of the podcast that I've been thinking about for months, weeks, Why am I declining in numbers? Months are larger than weeks. My bad. (laughs) No. I told you that changes are going to be coming to Tonight We Talk. And I don't want you to be afraid about that, because the changes I'm going to make aren't really changes so much as they are additions. The only change that is going to be taking place is in the logo and in myself, and I'll elaborate more on that later. But for right now, let me just tell you what I'm thinking, where my thought process is. First off, I've switched the hosting of the podcast from SoundCloud to a website called Libsyn. SoundCloud is very much used for music, and although when you pay to use it, it gives you unlimited uploads, Libsyn is more for podcasts, and it gives me stats and features that are better for me specifically than what SoundCloud could offer, even though Libsyn does have limited, limited space that I can upload to a month. That being said, if you're not really tech-savvy, or really even tech-interested, you don't even have to be that savvy, you probably don't care too much about that. Still, I felt the need to disclose it a little bit. Now, let's get on to something that may affect you a little bit more. 
I want to take this podcast and put it into a video format. That doesn't mean that this podcast is moving away from audio. It's not moving away from being a podcast at all. It just means everything that you're hearing right now will also be filmed like what is happening, what is happening in that conversation. If I'm at a table sitting with somebody in a restaurant, you're going to be seeing that person and I talking, and all our all our twitches, all our mannerisms, all our stutters, if you will. All that fun stuff you're going to get to see. I feel like as relaxed as it is, it's almost the equivalent as a fireplace channel, for example. You watch the fireplace channel not necessarily in this deep, deep state of entertainment so much as you are this watching it for this pleasant ambience, visual ambience, and the sound is audible ambience. I don't know, I feel like people could enjoy seeing that, so I'm going to test out bringing that to video. Will that happen in Season 2? Probably not. Hopefully for Season 3. But uh, that's a lot of work to get it from just audio to a video format. I'm just letting you know that that's definitely coming eventually. So I've just told you about how I want to make it more of a video, making the podcast a visual as much as an audio experience, really. I also want to take this podcast into the streaming world. I want to start doing more Facebook live streams, more Twitter, Periscope live streams, more Instagram live streams of me pretty much just talking to the audience, almost Q&A-ish. And I also want to stream these video versions of the podcast, the very produced products, and I want to put them onto Twitch or another streaming website. I don't think YouTube Gaming would be so appreciative, but I know Twitch has creative and talk show options. That's what I'm trying to do with streaming. The logo. The logo I made in Photoshop, and I'm not the best. It took me a couple hours to make, maybe even like spread out among a couple days, but it's not amazing. It's good. I like it very much, but I feel like I can do better. And I'm going to tell you right now, the logo is going to stay very much the same, but it's also going to be different. And you will see that change for Season 2, as well as the streaming. The streaming will be taking place for Season 2. So much more is going to be coming your way, interacting with me and really the behind the scenes of the podcast. Talking about the behind the scenes and interacting with me, I want to change. I, <laughs> when I started this show... And I tried to talk solo to the camera, doing monologues and whatnot to introduce the show, to outro the show, and those occasional miscellaneous episodes that were kind of filler between other episodes of Tonight We Talk, which we actually had guests. You know, there were times that I lost my train of thought. I lost my sentence, stumbling over words. And that's something that I really dislike. I need to get better. I need to provide you with the show that you deserve, really. It's not going to be instant. It's, it's definitely not going to be instant, but even right now, I can tell that I'm getting a thousand times better talking one-on-one -on -one with the mic, and that's only happened because of being such a failure at it throughout the first season. The first season of Tonight We Talk has very much been almost a pilot of a season, a test run, and it's really showing me what is amazing about the show and what needs to be added onto the show. And so far, I don't see a lot of reasons to take things away so much as things need to get better. On top of having new guests on the show, because I would very, very much like to talk to brand new people, I would also like to have some new shows underneath the cap of Tonight We Talk. You guys know that I've done a couple solo episodes. That's what I was 
referring to when I said miscellaneous content. It's not the core of Tonight We Talk. It's this side stuff that, honestly, I don't like that much, and I don't feel like you guys like it that much. It's not horrible, but it's not good. And if you like it, I'm sorry, but I think I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to fill it with something that I think is significantly better, and this is probably the only actual change to Tonight We Talk I'm going to make. I'm going to bring on what you could call sub-hosts, I guess. You could really mix up any kind of name for them. But pretty much, they'll be either a friend or a new person entirely that I'll be working with. And they're going to be doing a once-a-month show. Once-a-month kind of cuts the stress off of me a little bit, trying to organize a podcast every week on top of working full-time. It's exhausting. So once a... yeah, like I said, once a month, we're going to be having a host do a unique show. And what that show is going to be is going to stay a mystery. However, I'm hoping to have this show out for season two. Now, I hate to end this abruptly, but that's pretty much all I wanted to cover that comes to mind. If anything else comes up, I will make a whole separate audio upload sort of a thing. It won't be a podcast, but it will show up in your podcast feed. Again, if more things come to mind that I've missed or would like to add to this what's changing in season two of Tonight We Talk, you will be informed, is what I'm trying to say. But until then, I appreciate you guys for listening to this show for so long. I feel like I've said this like a hundred times already this episode, but you really have no idea how much it feels good to have people listen to these words I say with another person and take something away from it, like it, it means something to them. Because it means something to me. I hope you have a nice night, and I'll see you in two weeks with Tonight We Talk Season 2.